Hi, I'm Carissa Schlott. And I am Sharice Schlott. Welcome to Between Between Us, a podcast that highlights our relationship as sisters, providing a safe space to share our stories. These conversations highlight unity and connection, the through lines that connect all of us as human beings. Before we dive in, we would like to highlight that the views expressed in each episode are a product of our own research and experiences. Our opinions are not representative of any professional affiliations we may have. Hello, Between Us family. Welcome back. Before we dive into part two with Dr. Pardeep Athwal, we thought it'd be nice to give you an update of what Chris and I have been up to. We aren't together for the pre-recording of this episode. She is at home with her family. This weekend, it's her youngest son, Bodhi's birthday, so they're busy preparing for that. A lot has changed since our last episode. Spring is officially here, although in Alberta that doesn't mean a whole lot because the weather often does not reflect spring weather. (laughs) It seems like we're almost back to business as usual since most of the mandates have been lifted in Alberta, and it seems like they're lifting in other places too. Business as usual means Chris and I are both a little bit busy, so we haven't been able to get together as often as we'd like. But fear not, we have many great episodes coming. We have some wonderful guests to share with you. And so hopefully, fingers crossed, I can get the editing done in time for it to be out in two weeks. Since we last talked, Krissa has had a career change. She's in the same industry. She's just with a new company or organization. And she seems to really be enjoying that. I don't have a whole lot to report about my life. It hasn't changed. I'm still the turtle, slow and steady. But it has become a little bit faster paced, which is not a bad thing. Our audio engineer was away for a few weeks. Shout out to Joel Vargesy at Lewis Studios. And he is now back, but he is simply so great at what he does that we could not produce an episode without him. So that's why there's been a little pause in the releasing of an episode. But now that he's returned, hopefully we can be releasing the episodes in a consistent manner again. So without further ado, let's jump right back into the conversation with the brilliant, the wise, the passionate Dr. Pardeep Athwal. Yes, this is key. This is Yes, this is so important. You can say all the greatest things, but if you still can turn around and you do something completely opposite, where is the integrity in that? How do I feel safe? I don't feel safe anymore because you told me something and I trusted you, which in any relationship, trust is high on that list of importance. But if I can't trust you, then like this doesn't feel good to me. And either I can bury it and stay here or I can go... I got to take care of me. So when my body is around someone, it's telling me like, turn around. That person's got dark energy. That person is being really nice and shiny. I think just over time, I've been able to see it so much clearer and quicker. And that did not, like I said, it didn't exist all the time. I wanted to be cared about and loved and all those things too. But the amount of pain that we cause ourselves, ugh, why do we do this? Why are you not the most important person in your life? Oh, so good. So folks, that's a wrap for part one. The compelling part two will be released after March 21st. Thanks for listening. Your body is always telling you. It is telling you if it feels good. But if you have shut down that connection with your mind and your body, then you can't feel that. Yeah, absolutely. You can't feel your body. So then everything that is just being fed you're just listening to it. You're just believing it. So the word um, in psychology that we use is called congruence. So, so you're checking for congruence. Yes. I'm just developing a course on this, but I, I believe it's 60% of communication is on the level of the body. 
And do you think this is something that during the pandemic, when so much of our communication has been over the yes. phone or whatever, face up. all I had was words. And yeah. so I was taking words at face value and intellectualizing it, even though there were times, and this is where what you said is so brilliant, where I was feeling something in my body that I should have trusted sooner in the process. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think the only way we get to that point of trust with our intuition is through struggle and then through self-healing. Yes. Starting with self. Yeah. The worst part, the most painful part of betrayal is your own self-betrayal. When you denied yourself that knowing or you decided to not follow that knowing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like for me, when people have gone through that, like I remind them that they were just learning because we've been so trained to not listen to that part of ourselves. So I think like you're 100% correct, but also to have grace with yourself in those moments. Exactly. Yeah. You know, like if you've betrayed yourself and that feels horrible, you can't beat yourself up about it more. You can only learn from that. Mm -hmm. And so to have that grace with yourself, I've made bad choices in my life for sure. And maybe I knew better. And I do think there's a lesson in everything. You know, I don't think there's a mistake that's made. There are some mistakes, but I do think that whatever you end up doing, you don't have to make that same mistake like a hundred times. <laughs> like eventually maybe stop making that mistake. But I do understand that it takes people time till they are ready yes. to like learn the lesson and move forward. But I think with everything we've talked about, the biggest takeaway for me has been that we as a society, we don't sit with our feelings enough. People avoid these conversations. Like the fact that the first thing we talked about was religion. (laughs) Who talks about religion? I know. And that was not on our topics to cover, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. It was not. No, not at all. Like I'm like, I am not the person to talk to about religion other than everybody be good to each other. That's it. That's my religion. There you go. And I think that's the core of all of them. But we avoid so many conversations, which I don't think we have to. I just think if you can have them in a safe space or have them with an open mind and an open heart. And there are some conversations that are going on right now that the hard no for me, you know, I have decided that that is unacceptable, but that's not to say that there's not some learning that can be done. Mm -hmm. Right. Knowing how long, like what you're feeling is telling you as to, you know, are you going to sit with that and heal it or are you going to avoid it and push it down? Yeah. And the other thing I would suggest when we're having difficult conversations is that we do it as close as possible as face-to-face. Yeah. Because the more removed we are from seeing that person, from witnessing how it's impacting them, the less empathy we can have in that conversation. Which is probably case in point with what's happening in social media and all Mm -hmm. of these very polarizing things. Yeah. (laughs) Like where possible. It's not always possible, obviously, but I do think it makes a difference because people will say things on the computer that they would never dream of saying to somebody in person. Because you can remove the human online, right? It's You don't have to consider the humanity and feel how your words are impacting somebody else. Yeah. There is a term for it, but I don't remember it. (laughs) And I think that's true too with like, I mean, the current conversation for me has been about race, right? And it's a difficult one to have. And I think the important thing that you've mentioned with social media is like, I don't have these conversations with strangers. Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't plan to change their mind, right? Because that feeling that I'm going to get back with this attack back is not going to feel good. 
Having said that, I've had some of these conversations with close friends and there are times that they didn't. And that also impacts my feelings. But also you need to know as a level of maturity, like where do you stop, right? Like I've said my piece, you've said your piece. We don't see eye to eye. I don't see how you can't see eye to eye on a situation like that. Yeah, noted. I keep saying noted. <laughs> like, I don't know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> a list of people I've like noted. <laughs> but I, I of all people am the one who should be unfriending people and I'm not because I know that they're good people. But I have been unfriended for making people look at themselves in the way that I'm like, you need to hear this. And it's blunt and it might come across like I'm judging who you are, but your words, I am listening to them and I'm hearing, I'm seeing how you're not, you're not even shifting. You're not even going, oh my gosh, from your perspective, because I am not a person of color, I don't see it. They're not listening with the intention of the possibility of their mind being changed. Yeah. They're coming to you with a very closed position on something, and you're trying to find any sliver of opening to help that seep in. And in that, though, like, I mean, they would say the same thing in return. And that's something I think is important for people to learn, too, is they're like, no, you're not seeing it from my point of view. I'm not being that way. That's not what this is about. That's where I'm like, okay, enough. Because you are a person that I I respect. If you're on my social media and my private pages, I respect you. And so it hurts my feelings, but I also know you're still a good person. But even that you can separate that, you can separate the behavior from the person. That's hard to do. Because she's had to. I've had to. I can't, I can't shut the whole of them down. This should be a reason for me to unfriend them. It's not okay. Mm. She's had to. I wanted to speak here, Pardeep, about white fragility. And I'm going to share an experience that I had in university. So... I think it was like an ethics class of all things. And we were doing a class discussion or a group discussion, a small group discussion. And I addressed one of my classmates as Indigenous, or I used the term Indigenous. And they said, excuse me, please use First Nations. And I was so offended because I didn't come at it from a, a racist point. Looking back at that situation, I thought, oh my God, I'm getting upset because somebody corrected me once. When on the daily, I don't know how many thousands of times they're getting things spewed at them. Like now I can see it very clearly. And I instantly took it that I was a bad person and all la di da da the whole story, whatever I created about that situation. But I thought, this is how fragile my whiteness is. Yeah. Yeah. And how privileged because we've never even had to consider that a label might be misused for us because no one approaches you as, hi, white woman. Uh And I've never been corrected. I don't know. I was just like, oh, shit. Oh, my gosh. We could go into this. (laughs) I feel like this is literally like the last number of weeks. Well, or 40 some years of my life, you know, not just the last couple of weeks. Yeah. There's a lot of white privilege out there. There's a lot of choosing to not listen. I, again, know a lot of these people as individuals and friends, and I love them. I give them grace, but like, it's not, it's not acceptable to not listen to a person of color telling you how they feel. That's just unacceptable. Here's the part that's so sad to me is it's like the grace that you afford the other person is not equally afforded you the same. Mm -hmm. So this idea of respect, just because somebody does something that you may disagree with or that hurts you, you don't lose respect for the whole person. So you can see in this area, 
there's maybe a loss of understanding or maybe in this area, I don't respect you, but in other ways, I still value you as a human, right? Sometimes with white fragility, I think what happens is if there's a fence there or they don't, they're like, oh, they don't get me. I no longer respect the whole person. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's their feelings again. It's like, you can't come, you can't sit in your feeling right there. You said something, I said, that's not it. This is about race right now. This is what it feels like as a person of color. If this continues, this is a slippery slope. Then I individually, my life changes. My safety changes. Yes. So this is what I keep trying to tell these people. So then when I hear that's not what it's about, I'm like, oh my goodness. Like I'm telling you and I'm trying to be as open and clear and kind as possible. But this is truth. Like this is what you are choosing not to see. But this is a slippery slope. And if you choose not to see this, but then I have this outcome, it's bad for me, not you, not you at all. But you'll go, oh, I've had no part in it because I didn't think that way. I'm like, I'm showing you where you are part of the problem right now. And I'm telling you, just listen. Like, I think this is half of it. Einstein actually has a quote, which I wrote down. If I had an hour to solve a problem, I'd spend 55 minutes thinking about the problem and five minutes thinking about the solution. So I think what we're missing is that listening to each other for 55 minutes. We're jumping to our own conclusions and wanting to solve our problems in the way that we think is going to best serve our own lives, our own Mm self-interest, not considering the whole collective. Do you think, this is something I'm wondering, if you have enough privilege and maybe there's just not quite enough struggle something, I don't know what the magic ingredient is, maybe there is an inability to see from another perspective. Mm. I don't know. Sure. Like not an excuse, but sure. No, it isn't. No, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) And that's what I mean too, right? Like maybe that is it. Maybe you're right. You know, maybe that's the reason. That just shines on your privilege. Yeah. Oof. Yes. Right? (laughs) Like you've had no struggle and nobody has no struggle. I understand that. But like in this place, you've never had to like listen to someone else. You're right all the time. That's all you know. And people listen to you and people will hear you and people will take your feedback. Yeah. But you haven't had to listen. I don't understand why people can't see that this is not personal. Like when somebody is telling a white person, this is how this makes me feel. And they're just like, no, you shouldn't have that feeling. <laughs> Well, I'm, but I'm having the feeling. So I understand too. Some people have all the feelings and they don't know how to like regulate them. But for myself, I'm like, you know, like I've said this, you know me. I don't make a big deal out of things. Yes. Like I'm very passionate about things and I get very excited about things. But like, if you don't agree, I'd be like, hey, cool. Off we go. Yeah. Right. Like it doesn't make me hate you. I feel like after the life that I've had with this person and the experiences where they know I'm not someone who makes a big deal out of stuff or causes like a lot of stress where there shouldn't be. If I'm speaking, like, please listen, you know, <laughs> like I'm telling you this because I want to find a place where we can be like, we can hug it out. But if you're like, I don't care how you feel. I'm like, you don't get my hugs. <laughs> like, I'm not hugging it out. This is the part I want. I like hope me as a white person and other people like me can see. There's also a double expectation on you. So not only is the expectation for you to inform them and share your feelings. And then after they're hurt, you're also expected to console, to console them. them. Yep. Us. Oh my God. It's exhausting. <laughs> 
And I know it's part of my thing. And like when people go on and they're like, I don't have time for this. I don't have whatever. I'm like, I have to make time for this because the end result is too dire. Yes. Yes. Like if I don't speak right now, it is literally about my safety. And I know it's not even a choice for you. Like it's the fact that they, that we, that I, I can choose to shut it off when I need a little break from it. I can, because I have the privilege to. Yeah. Yeah. You'll be fine either way. Yeah. Right. Like no one's going to look at you and think anything different. Exactly. But like if, if it's acceptable for things to go backwards into time, that's not been easy for people of color. If it goes back that way, like we're in trouble right? Literally every person of color is in trouble more than we already are. This already exists. It's not like it's new. It's just being given a platform that I'm doing my best to tell people to please not, please don't give it a platform. Like I beg of you, please don't. And yet people are choosing what they're choosing and it has a platform. It's just the less people, the better. And I would like to have none of those people in my circle, right? I would like to feel safe in my own circle. Mm -hmm. And so that's been hard. Yeah. But again, it's like, how much time do you spend when that happens? And I, I cried for sure in the last number of weeks about this. But I think this is something important for any kind of trauma, any kind of conflict is like, where am I right now? Right? Like I'm in my home. I'm in my bed. I get to go to my work. The people that work there hear me. And they are on my side about this. The patients coming in, majority actually do agree. And I love that they want to talk to me about it. Like I've had 80-year-old white farmers come in and they're like, what do you think about what's going on? And I'm like, ooh, I don't know. <laughs> How's this going to go? <laughs> well, like I'm not sure what your response is going to be. So I want to stay professional. And yet at the same time, I love having these conversations because they feel safe to have them with a person of color. Yes. Yeah. And so the likelihood is high that they are somebody that's an ally. And yeah, when this 80-year-old farmer is like, this is ridiculous. I've never thought a single thing about somebody based on the color of their skin. Everybody is equal. And how dare people not see that this is a problem right now? I was like, oh, crying tears of joy. I know, it just restores the faith, restores the faith in humanity. Like, okay, there is hope, right? Like, (laughs) Yeah, so then that's where I'm like, okay, that's just happening on social media. People say, don't be on social media, it's toxic. I disagree with that. I think there's a level, right? I think there's up to a point. And I think you can use it to educate or you can use it to learn because I will say that all the stuff I posted, if 10 people wrote me and said, you've opened my eyes up to this, you know, I, I never connected those dots. I didn't realize what was happening. If I get 10 of those, but I get three going, you've personally offended me because I'm not a racist and I don't agree. But you know, like I do agree with what's going on right now. I'm like, that's cool. If you three want to be mad about it, but I got 10 that learned something and they will now impart that wisdom somewhere else, like to their ripple effect of their circle of friends. Cool. I'm okay with that. And I'll put the time in for that. Whereas it has been white people going, oh gosh, this is exhausting. I'm so sad about this. I'm so tired. I can't keep posting about this. And I'm like, cool, cool. Nice privilege. (laughs) Welcome. Yeah. And welcome to my world. Like I've been doing this for 40 years. Like, (laughs) Yeah. And like for me, I have the option to just not engage because I don't want to. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot of people of color that don't to because they are tired and that's okay right and that's where and there's a lot of white people that are very vocal and we appreciate that right so like that's that level again of your own like 
I'm not saying someone needs to be on here, you know, talking to strangers or even like their circle of friends about it longer than they are capable of doing. Right. And that's where I'm like, okay, I'm tired of this now. And I've hit a wall. So what's more important right now is like, come back to the present right now. I'm going to, you know, have a great day with great patients and I'm going to, you know, come back and have wonderful food and like have friends and family I've talked to throughout the day. So like remind myself of that. Right. So it doesn't, you don't have to sit in this place of like, I'm a, I'm a social advocate. Absolutely. Like you will hear me use my voice and I think everybody should, but there's also a time for like yourself, yeah. right? Like your self-care is still so important. Self-care above all else. Yeah. So I do it as much as I can, but eventually you, you got to stop. Well, and just from like a physiological standpoint to be having those conversations, to be in that state is putting you in almost like a trauma response, to be honest, mm-hmm. of some sort. You know, you can define it as little t, big big t, however you would like to define that for yourself. But you have to come back to yourself because you have to come back to the safety, to regulate, mm-hmm. to ground yourself, because that isn't a safe space yeah. to stay in for any amount of time. No, exactly. And I think, again, like when people are like, oh, you're too emotional about this, you're too, you're too whatever. I've always said, like, you know, something sad or happy or whatever, like, and I'm crying about it. And I, you know, emotions, I think, show strength. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think, again, that's something that people have forgotten about too, right? Yes. We're not listening to our bodies and what they're telling us. We are telling ourselves to be unemotional completely, like show no emotion and just do the work. But to me, and like, if we're all feeling these emotions, like share them, show them. And like tears, tears. Oh my gosh. When somebody cries, I'm like, yay, you're crying. I'm so happy. Like <laughs> yeah. at work, people are like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I'm so happy for you right now. Like I made you cry and that's so great. <laughs> Yes. Because they're releasing something. They're releasing a level, a layer of their trauma, of their feeling, so that they can actually like clear that out of the way and be able to get deeper into their own healing. So anytime somebody talks about their emotions or being too emotional, I'm like, emotions are strong. Tears show strength. All of this shows your strength. And so if we can change that narrative, that is my goal through all of this, right? If everybody can cry more, I'll be happy. (laughs) And especially, especially to be able to do that amongst people, right? Because obviously there has to be safety there, but yeah, there is so much more healing and it happens so much more quickly when you can do that in the presence of others. Because yeah. when humans are together, we co-regulate, we kind of get in tune with mm-hmm. each other's bodies, mm-hmm. right? And so there's this element that if we can feel, we can move through that process really quickly mm-hmm. and then we're all attuned to one another. But again, it has to be a safe space to do that, right? right. Always. Yeah. Yeah. And I've always been so curious about how somebody who does so much healing, mostly on people who are ill, like how you yourself have stayed well. And what I heard through all that you were just saying is that like you bring it back to the present moment. Yeah. You're grateful for what you do have. Yeah. You prioritize connection and spend time and give so much of yourself to your friends, to your family, to all the people that are surrounded by you and who are lucky enough to be in your life. And something else that I thought about that I wanted to highlight, knowing you a, a little bit, is I think you use laughter. Oh. Like, I think laughter, <laughs> yeah. uh, and your laughter is like medicine for me. So I can only imagine that it's also a part of your healing and wellness. Yeah. 
Oh my gosh. Laughter is the most important thing. Like I will say again, when we go back to family, my mom is where I got my strength from, you know, my feminism, my strength in like, you know, you tell me I can't do this. I'll show you. (laughs) (laughs) That's from my mom, my dad. I mean, I got all like, they both hard work, all of that, but my dad jokes, like, I'm sorry, but like fart jokes, (laughs) my favorite thing. Yeah. (laughs) My dad and like laughs and having fun. That's something I remember as a child. I don't know why fart jokes come to mind, but like that's literally like just silly puns. I think someone else said this too. I did this coaching course once and they said they're like pretty, you're always so playful. And that to me was one of the highest compliments I've ever received in my life. I think it's so important like to remain playful and to remember to laugh. And like, no matter what happens, Like I remember when my mom passed and I was in the kitchen with my aunts and I said something about my mom and something she would do. And we started laughing and it was inappropriate. (laughs) My dad was like, we're grieving right now. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I know. No, it's totally I am. But (laughs) that laughter, it was more about a memory and something mom did that was fun. And like, it made us all laugh. And it didn't mean I didn't cry just as much, right? So I always say that I get strength from my mom and I get laughing at fart jokes from my dad. And not just (laughs) fart jokes, all the jokes. (laughs) Like laughter from my father, for sure. But yeah, and I think that's important. Like at work, we're always laughing about something. It's not meant to be serious. Like life is too serious already. There's always a way to be able to stay open and stay childlike and, you know, remember all those good things that bring you joy. I just had one more thing before we jump into the fast five. This came to my awareness as we've been talking, but this deep resilience that you have to have, it's like, again, this is where I see you, you come out of the womb and you have to learn it. So this is almost survival, right? Anyone of color, anyone in disenfranchised, it's not an option to learn. And this is something where I see, oh, my struggle in life has been, I had to learn from struggle how to be resilient much later in life. It wasn't needed from the get-go, if that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's true. I remember being a kid and we lived in subsidized housing and we had neighbors that were very racist. And I remember someone throwing a rock at our window and it cracked the window during dinner and I was bawling my eyes out. I remember that moment and I remember being called names and I remember... You know, my brother going through that because kids like in the Sikh religion, people wear turbans. And so my brother had long hair. And so kids coming and pulling out his hair and calling people names just based on the color of our skin, you know. And yeah, I mean, that started early. <laughs> like it's not something anybody should have ever gone through. But yeah, when I think about it, as you're stating that there's definitely childhood moments that were difficult. You have to learn so young. Yeah. Yeah. And you still had to like go to work and like you can't sit there and cry because <laughs> mom and dad were like, get to school and learn all the things, <laughs> get straight A's and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Dust yourself off. <laughs> I think you can go two ways with that. Yeah, as you get stronger or you shut down, right? And for me, shutting down was not an option. There's too much life. I just think feeling really deeply and and experiencing life. If you experience life deeply and you feel really deeply, like it just, you feel so much more alive. Yes, maybe that's the point. Yeah. Like the point of this life is to live to the fullest and to feel everything. Yeah, so like whatever you got handed, I'm not saying only people of color have had struggles. That's never been the case. Nobody's ever thought that. But whatever you've been handed in life, and even now as adults, when you get handed a crappy card, you know, I've been wanting to swear this whole time, Sharice, just so you know, I've been really well. I heard you swear a couple times and I was like, ooh, I just, anyway, 
Please do. We're full spectrum here. Yeah, I know. I just was in the doctor mode, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's fair. <laughs> like at work, I keep myself completely, you know, professional. Yeah. That's a skill. Like that is a skill. Because if you know me, it's like dropping that bombs all the time. Well, thank you for sharing that. I think it's in having the uncomfortable conversation and sharing our moments of pain and our, our triumphs and all of the things in between. That's what I think ultimately connects us and helps us move forward for hopefully a better future. So mm-hmm. thank you. Yeah. Agreed. Well, thank you. Thank you guys so much. And I just love one thing I just want to say is how I'm going to compliment you by saying this, but like compliments, you guys give them so freely to all of your guests. And it's so lovely because I find that compliments are so rare these days, you know, and that's something I like to do too. Like with my friends, remind them how wonderful they are and just tell everyone how great they are at everything they do. Right. That's something that, as you've said, all these lovely things, I'm like, oh, thanks. <laughs> compliments are so rare. You know, people they don't are. spend their time sharing that anymore. And I just, I really appreciate that about you both. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. So nice. Okay. Fast five with Dr. Party Bathwall. Yep. What is something that people often get wrong about you? Oh, that I don't swear like a trucker. perfect (laughs) love it either they think I'm so laid back and chill and then when I use my doctor voice they're surprised they're like oh oh you can be so professional or vice versa if they've met me as a professional and then I start acting away and then they're like no (laughs) I didn't know you had it in you I love it and fill in the blank wellness is connection Mm, nice Mm. that's so beautiful and that's the whole point of this yay Okay, this is one I came up with. So tell us something you do when no one is watching. Oh my gosh. CG only. Yeah. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Where do you, what do you know about me, friend? <laughs> oh gosh, I'm so open in general. Um, do you want me to answer for you? Okay. I'll tell you something that I've observed that you do when no one's watching. Oh. Is you are incredibly kind. Oh. When no one's watching you are picking up Starbucks, not just for me, but for my husband and my boys and bringing it to our house and spontaneously messaging me to say I'm on the West side, which for anyone that lives in Lethbridge <laughs> is only like an extra five minute drive. But for people who don't live on the West side, it's a big endeavor to come to the West side. It's across the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> Being from Toronto, I joke about that so much. I'm like, ooh, all the way on the West side. So like, I hope you can read my inflection in those texts. I'm like, I'm all the way on the West side. <laughs> I absolutely can. And I love that when you are on the West side, you'll message and say like, hey, I'm on the West side. Are you free for coffee or whatever? So I would say when no one's watching, you're always kind. Mm -hmm. That's nice. Well, that's sweet. Okay. Now, as I was thinking about it, when no one's watching, I'm watching bad reality TV, like The Bachelor and Survivor. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. (laughs) It's true. There, how's that? (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Your turn. Okay. And what is one myth or stereotype about alternative medicine that we need to let go of? Oh, a myth about alternative medicine is that you have to go somewhere to achieve it. Whoa, beautiful. Ooh, that was a good one, I guess. 
I was going to say like, you can, I mean, obviously you have to go to a chiropractor and acupuncturist to actually get that physical work. But I really think that's all accessible in meditation and mindfulness. Because again, your body, you can control your body. You can control your pain. You have to get so in tune with your mind that you are able to connect your mind, body, and spirit. So if you're going through something and you're like, I need to go somewhere to get rid of my pain, there is truth to that. However, there is a way for you to do some of that work on your own. And to do it here, wherever you are right now, you can do it here. Yeah, it's accessible. So, I mean, that might have been a bad business plug there. <laughs> like, come, I mean, go to back, back and balance, and balance but... but. <laughs> Hey, but this is this is something that I say that I I would say you do the same thing is I say with my counseling practice that I'm walking people home. Yeah, that's nice. So yeah, just it's accessible and it's within you. We're just here to help guide. Yep, guide in, right? It's an inward journey. Exactly. Beautiful. Okay, the signature question. What is your dream or vision for this world, Pardeep? Dr. Athwal. my dream or vision for everybody is that we all heal like I want people to feel their feelings I was gonna say my dream for everybody is that you all cry (laughs) yeah (laughs) but I didn't want to start with that perfect but it's true but that's actually it I want you all to like have a good cry laugh so hard that you cry watch something beautiful that you cry, heal all the traumas that you might have gone through. Mm -hmm. Just let them all out. I think crying is strength. And I just, I wish that healing for everybody. Well, thank you so much. I have enjoyed every minute of this conversation. Well, I really appreciate you guys asking me. That's, uh, I think sometimes I'm still in this place where I just do what I do and I don't realize that people are watching. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and then when people recognize that it's nice, you know, because I'm a middle child. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for recognizing all of my hard work. I get it. Well, so awesome connecting with you. And I'm looking forward to going for Starbucks in the near future in person. Okay. That sounds so good. Thanks, ladies. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Hi, my name is Bodie. I hope you stay safe. Hi, my name is Gabe. I hope you have a great day. Audio production by Joel Vargasi at Lewis Studios.